Good evening and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 12 of Revelation chapter 3, and we're looking at verse 5. It says there, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. And we began to look at this verse in our last study. Uh, we we did look at the first part. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And now we're going to move on to the next statement, which says, And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. And, you know, we find this statement um, every now and then in the Bible. Where where God speaks about a book of life or, and and blotting someone out or not blotting them out, and we wonder, well, what what is this really talking about? It is um, a very mysterious kind of statement, and here we know the context is referring to the elect. Uh, it's a continuation of verse four. The few names in Sardis which had not defiled their garments, they were worthy. And also verse 5, the ones that overcome is clearly a reference to those that are saved by the Lord Jesus. And they're, uh, as a result of that salvation, clothed in white raiment. They have um, holiness uh, granted them and and given them by by. Uh, the mercy of God through the Lord Jesus, and they are without sin. God does not recognize their sins any longer. He does not um, hold the sins against them. And 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 you know the Bible actually speaks of sins being blotted out in um, Psalm 51 and probably some other places. But in Psalm 51, it says in Verse 1, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. And again, in verse 9, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. And, uh, and, and here I think we can see the relationship between the fact that uh, either our sins are blotted out or if the sin remains, then our name uh, is blotted out of the book of life. Something or other must be blotted out spiritually and it's either going to be our name and if our name is not found in the book of life, well, what would that mean? Well, we... We would not have life. We would die. So either our name is blotted out or our sins, which testify against us. And and the law of God exposes and, and condemns us because of them. They must be blotted out. And, and so this is what the Lord is focusing our attention on in this uh, statement of Revelation 3, 5 concerning those elect that he will not blot out uh, his name out of the book of life. Well, let's let's try and understand a little bit better 
this language that God is using concerning blotting out uh, in the book of life. Let's begin by turning to Exodus chapter 32, as we'll see this statement of uh, blotting out someone's name from a book is an ancient statement. It has a long history, uh, even before we get to the book of Revelation, which was written uh, almost 2,000 years ago. Well, the book of Exodus is one of the books that the Lord moved Moses to write, and and this um, predates the, the book of Revelation by about 1,500 years. We read in Exodus chapter 32, beginning in verse 30, And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up unto Jehovah, peradventure, I shall make an atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto Jehovah and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. And Jehovah said unto Moses, Whosoever has sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. This is um, the period in history when Moses had gone up to the mount and, and was receiving the Ten Commandments, and God was trying the people of Israel, and they failed the test and made themselves a golden calf. The interesting thing here is that Moses says in verse 30, I shall make an atonement for your sin. And then he he uh, approaches God and begins to intercede on their behalf, uh, on the people of Israel's behalf. Uh, yet now it says in verse 32, If thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not blot me, I pray thee out of thy book which thou hast written. And this would show that Moses here is a type of Christ, and it is the sins of Israel that that prompted Moses historically here, and that uh, led to the Lord Jesus to go before God for the sake of spiritual Israel, those that God determined to save, the elect that He predestinated to receive salvation, and and God, of course, cannot forgive sins. Um, the law will not allow it without uh, some um, restitution, without the law's satisfaction. The law condemns sin and cannot just um, wave a hand and, and say, all right, well, that sin's forgiven because I choose to forgive you. No, the law requires a payment for sin. The wages of sin is death. And... And so uh, there must be death in order for the law to pardon the sinner. And that's where the Lord Jesus enters in. And we we would uh, gather from the statement in Exodus 32, 32, that Christ in a figure was blotted out for the sake of 
the people that he died for. Out of the book of the living, or out of the land of the living, he died for them. Well, we we also read in the Old Testament, in Psalm 69, another statement concerning uh, the book of life. In Psalm 69, verses 27 and 28. Add iniquity unto their iniquity, and let them not come into thy righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living, and not be written with the righteous. And and uh, this is a messianic psalm, and here um, the Lord is referring to the wicked. Uh, they're they're not the recipients of His grace, and so. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. Now, what were they doing in the book of the living to begin with since they were wicked? And we would have to understand that God views mankind in an initial way in the sense that all were created good that uh, mankind has a responsibility to obey the law of God. If he does obey the law of God, he will live. Man will live um, for as long as he obeys. And if he never transgresses the law of God, he will live forever. And that is the one possibility that God sets before the human race. Okay, if you want to live if you want to um, exist and and continue on forevermore then obey my law perfectly and of course no man can do this but it is an option that God sets before mankind and when men sin even one sin the Bible tells us if you keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point you're guilty of all. And so if if a man sins once, he is guilty, and he he is then blotted out of the book of the living, of the book we could say that um, relates to Adam, the the book of life in an original sense. In, in that initial way that God created men and, and it was based upon works, based upon keeping the law that God established. What did God command Adam and Eve? Well, first of all, he said, you may eat of the fruit of all the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of this one tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou mayest not eat. In the day you eat thereof, you will die. And that was the only law we find recorded. And that was the law that Adam and Eve broke. And they had their names blotted out of the book of life. Now, if Adam or Eve were God's elect and the Lord Jesus blotted out that sin and all their other sins, then their name would would be found in the book of life. Now, we can think of that this way, that either an individual who is an elect has their name remain in the 
uh, original book of life, uh, from a creation standpoint, we could think of it that way. Sin blots out the name of any wicked doer. And, uh, and, and yet, if someone is a sinner and their sins have blotted out their name, if somehow their sins were blotted out themselves, then their name may remain because there's no sin to remove them from the book of life. We can understand election in that way. Or uh, perhaps God is speaking of another book of life. Uh, Perhaps he's referring to a book of life from a creation standpoint that all mankind is found in. And, and then he has another book of life in which only the elect are, are written. That's possible, but it, uh, either way, uh, it's really, um, the same, same thing. That it, it's the same truth. That there are certain ones who are in the book of life that will continue to live forever and this is because their names are written there, their sins are, are not able to blot them out because all of their sins, if even one remain, it would remove their name from the book of life. But all of their sins, 100% of them, the, the sum total of them, were themselves blotted out as they were laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ and he made payment for them all in satisfying the law's demands of death. And now this permits those elect to have their names recorded in the Lamb's book of life. And uh, we we find in Psalm 139, 139, an unusual statement. It says in Psalm 139, beginning in verse 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, Psalm 139 is a psalm of David. And as we saw with Psalm 69, which also was a psalm of David, at times David uh, is is writing messianic psalms and is used of God as a type and a figure of the Lord Jesus. Now, here... He's referring to his own making as God has made him. And, of course, that is true physically of David. God formed him and created him just as he did every man. And so it's true on the natural level, but also on a spiritual level that we find a very special truth in these verses. Let me read again. Uh, beginning in verse 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee, when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand, 
when I awake, I am still with thee. Now, we, we find that David is again a type of Christ, but the Lord Jesus, when he speaks of those that he saves, he speaks of them in some instances as his body, as the body of Christ. Uh, for instance, we know in Ephesians chapter 1 that God has the elect in view when he says in verse 4, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, following along with this discussion in this chapter, it says in verse 22, and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The church, uh, meaning the eternal church, comprised only of the elect, whose names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And we'll look at that statement uh, if we have enough time, Lord willing. Uh, but, But the point is that those elect, the eternal church of God, are referred to as the body of Christ. And David is used as a a type and figure of the Lord Jesus. And in Psalm 139, he's mentioning how he was fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he speaks of his substance, not hid from from, uh, God. In verse 15, when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Now that, to use the same word in the verse, is a curious statement that David's body, his physical earthly body, was curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. What does that mean? And and how is that possible? That That's not where uh, babies are formed uh, they're they're uh, formed in their mother's womb and their mother isn't in the lowest parts of the earth that that's not where people are they dwell upon the earth and so what is this statement saying and, and you know god wrote this verse very intentionally before telling us in verse 16 thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written. Now, we've been looking at verses where God is speaking of a book of life and blotting some out of the book of life and others have their names recorded and which remain in the book of life. And, and we, we don't read in other places about an individual's body parts um, mentioned in a book of life, uh, not that I can find in the Bible. And and so this is another clue to help us uh, to understand that the Lord is speaking of a spiritual body, of the body not of David, but of Christ, the body 
of all of the elect. And that's why it's referring to their, uh, their, the substance in thy book. All my members were written or all were written as members is italicized and not in the text, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. That is, we can understand this is what God is saying, that uh, from the foundation of the world, or before the foundation of the world, he predestinated all of these elect that would take shape, they would form the body of Christ, and they would finally be one whole, as each one were were sought for in the generations of the history of the world until the last was found, and then the body would take complete shape and form. And this is the body that was written uh, in the book, in the book of life, when the Lord Jesus Christ from the foundation of the world took all of their sins upon himself when there was none of them, not a one was yet created because the world was not yet made. And that is when the body initially came together in in this sense. And as it was formed, uh, as all of their sins were laid upon the Lord Jesus, and he died for all, and so God is making an incredible statement in these verses to describe the um, the formation of the spiritual body of the elect. It just you know, it's a amazing and wonderful thing, an incredible thing when God creates a single human being, when He forms a child in, in its mother's womb, and and God does that. Um, we we stand in awe and we wonder at the beauty of it that that the Creator creates a new life and and forms it in its mother's womb. He fashions it as the potter does clay, and he gives it the the child its features. He determines male and female, and uh, he determines color and height. And, and, and so on and all the things that, that, that child will eventually show forth as he grows up and develops and becomes a man or a woman. And God does all those things. Well, yet even more wonderfully, even more incredibly, God formed the body of Christ before the world began as he predestinated these souls, these people, to become saved, and he formed the body of Christ as Jesus made payment from the foundation of the world. And this spiritual body, because they were not yet even born, this body of believers, the whole company of the elect, was formed in that sense and and then eventually would begin to take shape and develop and grow unto the fullness of the stature of the Lord Jesus. 
into the the body in which he would become one with in spiritual marriage and so forth. And it, it is just a glorious thing that God has done. By the way, the phrase lowest parts of the earth confirms that it is uh, spiritually pointing to Jesus because uh, just uh, we don't have time now, but read Ephesians 4 verses 8 through 10, where it speaks of the Lord Jesus descending into the lower parts of the earth. It's another way of saying the heart of the earth, as Christ, um, the Son of Man, would be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, pointing to the fact that he must suffer and die for those people. Now, uh, when he entered into the human race, he was just demonstrating what he had already done long before from the foundation of the world, and and this statement that the body was curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth is indicating that it came together in a more um, concrete way since now their sins were paid for. Now it was guaranteed that they would eventually be born and hear the gospel and become saved and so on. Well, uh, let's let's look at Daniel 12 as we continue to look at some verses which speak of the book of life. Daniel 12, verse 1 says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, and Michael is another name for the Lord Jesus, which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. That is, all the elect will be found. And this time of trouble, therefore, would be referring to the the Great Tribulation. That's when all of the elect were delivered, when they all receive the salvation of God, the uh, whole uh, of spiritual Israel was brought together and, and so forth, and the body was completed. The body that was uh, wrought together in the lowest parts of the earth in Christ from the foundation of the world was completed when God saved the last of the elect. And then in Revelation chapter 13, which we looked at yesterday, but I'll read it again. In verse 8, it says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, that is, the beast, Satan, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Their names are not found there, which can only result in the worship of the beast during that period of great tribulation. It is inevitable. There could be no other option. Only the true believers, those that God saved in Christ, as Jesus died for them. And when did Jesus die? Well, the Bible tells us here, in the book of life of the Lamb, slain in 33 AD? No, from the foundation of the world. And we also read in Revelation 17, verse 8, it says, The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. They that dwell on the earth shall wonder, 
whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Again and again, that book of life goes to the foundation of the world because it was at that point that the Lord Jesus died securing the place of all whose names were recorded in the infinite mind of God. 